welcome to Hillcrest Chapel Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Well, Merry Christmas. Uh, what a pleasure to have you here. Um, I love a candlelight service. Uh, I don't know your background, churched or not, but I think everybody can appreciate a moment to slow down in the midst of all the craziness. As Tim said, just take a breath uh, to be here for a moment uh, and to experience, if it's just for you, the tradition, the beauty, and the music, but we hope Tonight that you experience uh, the most powerful news in the universe. God knows you and he loves you. And uh, that is the best thing for you to experience here tonight. Uh, My name is Christian Lindbeck. I'm the pastor here, so it's my special privilege to welcome you, Uh, especially if you're just visiting. I know that this is a time where lots of people are here, but we want to make you feel especially uh, welcome here at Hillcrest. We're glad to be celebrating with you on the eve uh, before Christmas. Now, of course, Christmas isn't just the great American holiday. I understand it's a worldwide holiday, but it's much more than just like a holiday, a shopping holiday. It is one of the three great holy days of the church. The entire calendar of the, of the Christian church is organized and begins in this moment. The Christ Mass is the day that we as the church have decided this is the day we are going to celebrate, commemorate, uh, make a scene about the fact that the Word of God, the second, co-equal, and always eternal member of the always three-person Godhead, took on human flesh and was born as a vulnerable baby boy in Bethlehem, Israel, 2,000 years ago with the mission to rescue his creation, to roll back the curse of death, and to unleash a tidal wave of life to satisfy every sin, and to save for himself a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And for us, for the church, Christmas will stretch, it will sort of yearn, it's pointing its way to Easter all year long, where we will celebrate his perfect life. And his complete self-sacrifice and the absolution of evil by taking it into his flesh, his death on the cross and his victorious historical resurrection is the incontrovertible proof of who he is and what he said and the promises that he extended. And then for us, Easter will flower into Pentecost Christmas, Easter, Pentecost, 50 days after Easter, we will celebrate that the Holy Spirit, the third co-equal, co-eternal member of the always three-in-one Godhead was poured out as promised onto all humanity and inaugurated the great and laborious age of the Christian church in which we now live, waiting for him to come again. Celebrating his advent, his arrival, and now looking forward to the, he will advent again or come again. The Father sends the Son. And the Son lays down his life for the Father and for his mission and for his people and to rescue his creation. And then the Son sends the Holy Spirit to point his people back 
to the God who is three in one. And I know that that's a mouthful, a lot to say on Christmas Eve, but it is the interconnected and wonderful truth of the Christian church that in a very real sense is born on Christmas. That all of those promises, all of the hope are unpacked from the incarnation from God himself taking on human flesh. It's born in this moment, born in this idea. And so for the past four weeks, we have been trying to get ready. It's a season of Advent, and we're trying to prepare our hearts and minds to wrestle, to grasp uh, what we're saying about God becoming flesh to rescue his humanity. And as we looked at this Advent, we looked at it through the lens of its scandal, uh, because Uh, The way that Jesus was born, what he said, what he taught, how he rescued us, all of those challenge the way we think about life, what we value, how we live, how we treat each other, what we think we are working towards, and how it all works out. And I I just want to underscore that it was then and remains now an unparalleled scandal that God was born. Uh, that the way he went about it is a speed bump, a stumbling block, a difficulty for people to understand that this is the way God chose to create and to rescue his creation. Uh, I think that it forces people to wrestle with. It doesn't allow an easy, yes, that must be true. But it forces the listener to wrestle with what is really true and to find at it the factual basis of who he is, the living truth of God. Uh, This year, what we decided to do is ask particular questions about him being born into a particular time and people and a particularly messy family and place and what his precision claims meant about him and his authority and his divinity and certainly what did it mean about us and how we live and how we interpret our time and family, and people, and place, and his decision to do it just like this. I mean, I want you to consider, what does it mean of God? What does it mean of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that this is the plan that they came up with? Uh, That before the creation of the world, the three existing in perfect harmony with each other said, here's what we'll do. We'll make something that must be necessarily broken. One of us will take on human flesh, become part of the creation, be born as a baby, and that's how we'll save it. Uh, And then then we're going to make it particularly messy and particularly far side of the world. What does it tell us about them? What do we learn about them? And so we're unpacking that the whole time. And I think it's been an outstanding series. So if you uh, missed part of it or you want to check it out, you can always go to Hillcrest Chapel, go to Resources, Sermons, and the Advent series. Uh, Look under Scandal, and I think that you will find uh, that this has been an outstanding series. Tonight, we unpack the final scandal. So like I said, time, family, people, place. Uh, Tonight, the greatest scandal of all, that he was born. Uh, And by the way, it's important that the church continue to say, that is an astonishing thing to say, that God was born. It it must be admitted that, like I said, it was then and remains a scandal, at least a speed block, a way to figure out. He could have done this any way that he wanted. I mean, he's God. He could have shown up as like a 28-foot glowing full-grown man, right? It would have not been beyond him and his creation to show up any way he wanted to, to make a presentation of who he was. So it's him choosing 
the absolute, infinite creator who exists eternally as one God in three persons, decided to take on this risk, this vulnerability, to take on this mission and this plan to become a part of their own creation. A being one of them should leave this incomprehensibly higher and better place to come down and enter into what they have made, born as a baby boy. Um, I have a little illustration. Uh, it's, in my mind, it made lots of sense, and I suspect lots of other people have used something like it as well. But just to understand, uh, especially at Christmas, we get used to saying, God was born as a baby without pausing to go. That's, a, that's an astonishing thing that we have just said. Um, I, sometimes I think about it like this. I want you to imagine there's a man with an ant farm. Yes, that's the guy. Imagine that guy. Imagine a better ant farm, though. Uh, and I want you to imagine this guy built it from scratch. Uh, so he placed every grain of sand and rock, every little green barn. Uh, he built the whole thing. And he placed each ant in his ant farm. And, you know, he can tell the difference between each and every ant in there. And he gave them all a name. And he loves them all. And he watches them day and night. And he knows their comings and goings. And he provides them with good food and heat and water and every resource they need to live. And he absolutely loves these ants. Um, But how much, I mean, just stop to consider, how much of the outpouring of his love can be understood by the ant? Right, this is not crowd feedback, but the answer would be zero, right? Uh, I mean, what could he say to the ant? How, How much could he vocalize it? Dear ant, it's me, Bob, I really love you. There's no way, I mean, the ant can't even understand that the food shows up from Bob. Because it does not have the ability to comprehend that there's a world outside its ant farm where food gets delivered. Let me say it this way. Bob's ways are too high above the ant's ways. So it is impossible. He can't correct their behavior. He can't shower them with his love. He can't tell them how he built it. He can't tell them anything about it. It's beyond him to be able to do it. it. Like I said, it's just too different than them. But if anything was possible, what's the one way Bob could tell the ants that he loved them and to help them understand and to show the way? I mean, the answer's already in your head, right? Yeah, become an ant. He would, ha- he would have to become an ant. He would have to become an ant and then live their life. He couldn't be a special 20-foot ant. He has to just be a normal ant. He has to live at the risk of their claws and mandibles and learn their way and speak their language. The only way to convey the truth about his love, about what it really is, about who he is and what he's doing, the only way he could do that is to become an ant. And what is impossible for a man is possible for God, even if it is scandalous. And while the metaphor is weak and not meant to dig too deep, don't create theology from this, it does help us reference the motive and the infinite gap between us and God. For what better way for God to say, I love you, 
I made you. I know you. I want to speak your language, use your words, live your life. What better way than to become an ant or human? To become the ant. He could have done it more marvelous ways. He could have been more grand about it. He could send out an ant angel army. We'll just go with angels now. Uh, And let's say one angel for every human being shows up and says, there is the Lord God. Fall down. That big blue angel, right? Fall down and know. I mean, he could do that. That would be grand. He could have come floating in front of every human being and declared his authority as God. That would have been grander. But would they have understood the majesty of what he said? He could take the ant farm, you know, and shake it back and forth to create enough terror that maybe they'll look for him. He could use their language to write a book and see if they understand. Or maybe he could speak to those who will listen, maybe in a trance or a dream or a vision, and they would communicate his words to them. And let's be honest, all of those things have worked a little. But none with the astonishing, scandalous power of becoming part of the creation himself to declare and prove his love in person. And not just part of his creation, but intentionally insignificance in his creation. He chose, as we've studied over the past four weeks, to be born in nowhere, by nobody, in the corner of nowhere, in no significant time, 2,000 years before Facebook. In other words, he chose the hard route. He intentionally chose, like we said, he wasn't just born in Bethlehem, that's nowhere. He was born to what appeared to be an illegitimate and messy family with a complicated history. That's insignificant. He was born in the manger, in the corner, with the animals. He is making a point. In other words, he's saying to the ants, I want to sweep up every life from the lowest, most marginalized, on the side, disenfranchised life that you can imagine to the so-called greatest, they all belong to me. I have lived the lowest experience and seen the greatest heights that I might sweep in all of humanity and say to all those I love, I'm with you. I've walked your path. Let me show you the way of who I am and let you know I'm not, I'm not the God above, I'm the God Emmanuel, the God with, who's walked and lived your life and understands and become a part of the creation. So what does that tell us this time about him and about us and about life? I just want you to say, of him, if you could just pause for a second, It means that he loves you impossibly more than you can understand. More than you could dare to understand. Because he left complete satisfaction to come and rescue you under threat. Have you considered that before he decided to create, he lived in perfect satisfaction and community? But as soon as he created, he invited, he had never experienced betrayal, privation, beatings, loss, sacrifice. But as soon as an eternal being decides to experience those things in rescuing us, they are forever part of his experience. From perfection, he now always embodies betrayal and loss and death and his victory. 
Why do that? Why extend that great loss? Why be marked forever? Jesus is in heaven as that human being God who has experienced all those. Why? Because of his immense love did he become part of his creation to declare it and to show the way. I think this Christmas you could just take a moment to bask in the love of Jesus. And if you do not know him, now is a really good time to consider him. Of us, it says, just a couple of quick things. I think it says every life matters. If, it was, if life was that important to him that he would enter into creation to rescue it, I think by association, every life matters to us. Let me put it plainly. We don't get to dismiss anybody. No so-called high or no seemingly low. Because every human being is dignified by this act of the creator becoming a human. We were at Fred Meyer yesterday and there was a little man, clearly cold and clearly hungry, huddled into the corner trying to avoid the wind. Why, just throngs of people are going in and out and shopping. And even I felt myself walking by thinking, I could ignore this human being. I don't have to see them or interact, but we do not have the right. He dignified each person by becoming a human. Each person is ours to see, to notice, to appreciate. I think it also says, just quickly, that our bodies matter. Um, there's a movement. I even hear it among Christians sometimes. Well, it's just their body. You know, it doesn't matter. It's their soul that matters. God made us in the flesh. He loved making people. You know, he came to rescue his favorite creation, human flesh. He crowned the creation with bodies. He loves the human body. He intends to make us back in another body. Uh, He doesn't dismiss humanity. The Bible says, and I'm going to paraphrase, he delights in being around people that he made. People, not just souls, humans. He likes being around the the people that he made, the crown of his creation. Um, I want you to understand that your incarnation, my incarnation, that word means to take on flesh, our having flesh is nearly as miraculous as his. Uh, you think, oh, it's amazing that God took on human flesh. You have a soul that will never die, that is intimately united to your body right now. How does that work? Yeah, I don't know either. It is a mystery beyond comprehension that is fundamentally true. You are a walking, astonishing miracle. So this Christmas, thank Jesus for the miracle gift of your body and all the people around you. And the last thing, of it says God, great love. Of us, it says our bodies matter and lives matter. Of life, it says there is a way to live. It's not arbitrary. It's not social construct only. It's not up to us to decide what life is about. God has defined it. He said, here's what about. Let me show you. I'm going to come because I want you to hear it in your words. It's about love. I came as an act of love to embody love, to love you and said, now is how people will know. This is how they'll know that you know me by the way you love each other. And we say, maybe it's about things. And he says, nope, it's about love. Maybe it's about purpose. And he says, purpose is fine, but it's really about love. You can live a life that you do not feel it is purposeful, still live in the love of God and love others, and you have been living the purpose of the one who made it and came to redeem it. There's a way to live, and that way is the way of love. So spend this Christmas extending love. I could go on and on. I'm tempted to. But tonight, I will leave you with the greatest historical scandal ever recorded. Listen to the words of Luke, beginning in verse 4. 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, a time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out on the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. For this day, through the birth of a child, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Amen. Praise be to God for the astounding and scandalous miracle of his birth. The Bible said there that Jesus' coming was like a great light entering into darkness. The Word, the truth, The message from the Creator entering into creation in the words and in the way they speak. The light of the world entering into the darkness. So tonight we are going to end this service in just a moment. Carlo is going to begin to sing a song that he will introduce, but that he has written about the birth, the taking on of flesh of God as Jesus Christ. And then I want you to take a moment as he sings that song and just meditate. Just be still. Just listen for a moment about the truth that we are declaring together. And then after a minute or so, I've got four people who are going to help me with this. I will go up and take the light from the center candle, which I'll light in a moment, the Christ candle, And we'll bring the lights down in the room, and I'll take the light from the Christ candle and share it with four others. And then they will in turn go out and begin to share it with you, and the light will move through this room. And then we'll bring the lights down all the way, and just before we begin to sing again, I want you to consider that the light of the good news that has been delivered to us is not meant to be hidden. Which one of you would take your candle and cover it up? Wouldn't make sense. So you let that candle shine in the same way. Let the good news that Jesus Christ is the light of the world shine out from you. And today, Lord, we thank you that you have come to rescue us. That you came and you took the risk to make your way and your message and your love known. That you took on human flesh to rescue human flesh. That you don't despise us you dignify us 
you love your favorite thing that you've made. And so tonight we celebrate you, your work, your hope, your future. We give it to you in your name. Amen. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Chapel. For more info on this and other sermons, go online to hillcrestchapel.com or visit us at 1400 Larrabee Ave in Bellingham, Washington any Sunday morning, 9 or 11 a.m.